Good evening, everyone. Tonight's class is titled The Fight of the Two Souls, Part 2. And previously we've discussed how the two souls are both fighting over the city of our body, the godly soul within the brain, the animalistic soul within the left ventricle of the heart. They're having this full-on fight. And the mission of each one is to overpower the other and transform the other to support it. For example, the animalistic soul wants the godly soul to actually join its team, and the godly soul would like the animalistic soul not only to subdue the animalistic soul, but to actually transform it to be a second godly soul, the godly soul's helper. But, and how do we accomplish that? So once we understand what the animalistic soul is, we can understand how to fight over it. The animalistic soul is primarily pleasure. And that's what we learned in chapter 1. On page number 6, on page number 4, the right-hand column, five lines from the bottom of the right-hand column, we said the nature of fire is to rise upward, but the appetite for pleasures, where does the appetite for pleasures come from? From the element of water. So pleasure the essence of the animalistic soul comes from the element of water. And in chapter 3, we learn what, where is the element of water within the godly soul. On page number 12, we are in the right-hand column. Seven lines from the top of the right-hand column. We say that the element of water and moisture of the godly soul is in the brain. So the element of water of the godly soul is in the brain. The element of water within the animalistic soul is pleasures. So meaning, if I want to go ahead and transform the animalistic soul, I have to take my intellect, I have to use my intellect. The element of water of the godly soul is in his brain, his intellect. That means to transform the pleasure of the godly soul, we need, we need to go and think, focus, and use our mind to accomplish that task. <clears throat> what does that mean and that's what we're going to see inside we're going to see that we need a love of Hashem such a great love of Hashem that our mind brings about the love when we think and we focus and we have pleasure of Hashem from contemplating about His greatness using the element of water of the godly soul we then transform the animalistic soul any questions? So does that mean there's a lot of water on the brain? Does that mean there's water in the brain? Just like all of the four elements, where when, when they, we, they combine, and when they combine, dependent on which one is the most leading factor, that's how things are created. So the fact that the element of water is within our brain doesn't mean there's actually water. Oh. It just means that the element of water is, is oh, there. I see. Primary. I understand. Good question. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so within our Tanya, we are holding on the page 38, the right-hand column, seven lines from the top. Page 38, right-hand column, seven lines from the top. And we have just mentioned that the godly soul wants to completely control the body. And wants to have a love of Hashem 
a love of Hashem like a fire. Fire wants to go up. It's moving. The, we've said that the godly soul wants to have this love of Hashem like a flaming fire. But that's not going to cut it. Now we're going to say, if you want to transform the godly soul, the animalistic soul, you have to have an even greater love of Hashem. Let's see that inside. Again, page 38, right-hand column. Seven lines from the top. The latter, the right ventricle of your heart would be so on fire from love of Hashem would be so thoroughly permeated with love to overflowing, you're, you're going to have such a love for Hashem as to inundate the left side as well. It's going to now go to the left side of the heart where the animalistic soul is. Your godly soul is so on fire it's going to overflow to the extent of subduing the sitra achara. Well, this love of Hashem like a flaming fire is only going to subdue the animalistic soul. Namely, so, to the extent of subduing the Sitra Akhara with this element of the evil waters. Remember we mentioned that the, that the Sitra Akhara, the animalistic soul, is primarily evil water. It's primarily, what's the element of water? Lust. It's primarily pleasure. So the godly soul has such a love, it's going to now go onto the left ventricle and subdue. The animalistic soul, the element of water, those pleasures, namely the lust stemming from Klippat Noga, we're going to change it and transform it from seeking the pleasures of this world to seeking the love of Hashem. This is our mission in life. We say in the Shema that we said last week, V'yohavto es Hashem Eloikecha, you shall love Hashem your God, with all your heart with all your soul with all your might now if, for all of us that are familiar with Hebrew grammar how would you say with all your heart with all your heart is plural with all your hearts but we only have one heart no we have two hearts <coughs> We have within our hearts, we have the godly soul and the animalistic soul. Hmm. And in Shema we say the Ahavta, what is Ahava? Love. love. The Ahavta, you should love Hashem Aleichecha, you should love Hashem your God, with all your hearts. With both of your hearts. There is a mitzvah in the Torah to love Hashem with your godly soul and with your animalistic soul. So when we talk about transforming the animalistic soul, you're not, a, you're not doing something special. That's your mission in life. That's what we say in Shema every single day. This is what all the, throughout the ages every Jew has said. To love Hashem with both your, in the, in the plural, with your animalistic soul and your godly soul. And that's what is, it, we continue in the Tanya. Thus it is written, with all your heart. With both your natures. Rashi comments based off the Talmud <clears throat> that you have to love Hashem with both your Yetzer Hara and your Yetzer Tov, your good inclination and your evil inclination. But we can't let the animal, animalistic part of the heart 
repeat the Gadmuiso. Absolutely. The mission here is to love Hashem. Mm-hmm. Love Hashem means that the godly soul is winning. You have to lo- the, both the animalistic soul and godly soul need to love Hashem. That means we're putting ourselves aside. Ready? Please. The point is exactly the opposite. To get the animal soul to hanker after and seek and want the love of God as well. Correct. Our mission here is to pull the animalistic soul after the godly soul. But over here, we see a very important concept in Judaism. And we're going to hopefully even see this further when we finish the chapter. And that is that everything has a purpose. And even the animalistic soul has a massive purpose. It doesn't say to destroy the animalistic soul. Obviously, that means the animalistic soul is good. It may have bad garments. It may have been educated to do bad. But the animalistic soul itself has a lot of good. Otherwise, how could we pull it on our side? From the fact that the Torah is saying you need to get the animalistic soul on your side, that means it's full of good. And when it does something bad, it's just that there's been bad energies surrounding it. Like when you talk to a child... If he did something, you never tell a child, you are bad. child is not bad. You say your action is inappropriate. What you've done is inappropriate, but the child himself is always good. And the same thing here. The animalistic soul is good. He may have bad energy surrounding him. This is very important to po- focus on this. So now we've said that you want to go ahead and transform the, God, the animalistic soul. How are you going to do that? We're going to say that the love of Hashem like a fire is not enough. Let's continue in the Tanya right-hand column in the middle of the pay, in the middle of the column. That is to say that the person shall steadily rise to attain to the degree of abundant love. You can't anymore have the love like a flaming fire. You now need, elite, you now need to bring yourself to an abundant love. In the Hebrew, it's called Ahavarabba. A big love. A supreme affection surpassing that of ardent love. That is comparable to burning coals. It's not anymore enough to have a love of Hashem like burning coals. We need to go to a higher love. What is this love? This is what is called in scripture love of delight. Ahava bitanugim. Tanug is delight. So this higher level of Hashem is a level called Ahava B'Tanugin. A love of delight, which is the experience of delight in godliness, of the nature of the world to come. That means to transform, not to subdue, to subdue the animalistic soul. All we need is a lower level of love. The The love of Hashem like a fire. But to transform the animalistic soul, to support the godly soul, we need to have this love, this ahava betanugim, you need to have a love of Hashem similar to the nature of, the, of what we experience in the world to come. Because this is a pleasure, this delight is in, is in the brain of wisdom. This delight is a delight of intellect, in the intellectual pleasure of comprehending and knowing God. Why are you loving Hashem in this level, this level of delight of Hashem? Because you've come to 
an intellectual pleasure of comprehending and understanding and knowing God to the extent that one's intellect and wisdom can grasp Him. When we know Hashem as much as possible, all of a sudden we have this tremendous love for Him. It's an intellectual love. Ah, remember, this is the element of water. The element of water within the godly soul is His intellect. So now we've brought out the element of water and seed, what is seed? What's zera? Zera is seed, like you plant in the ground. If you're familiar, we say in davening on Shabbos, That light is planted for a tzaddik. Our light, zarua, is planted latzadik for a righteous man. This is a quote from David HaMelech in Psalms and Tillim. What type of light is planted for a tzaddik? What is this thing? That's, what is this thing? And seed, we're referring to this planting for a tzaddik. What is it? Light that is sown. We're now on page 40. In the holiness of the divine soul. This light that is sown in the holiness of the divine soul is this pleasure that we have in Hashem from knowing Hashem, from grasping Hashem. And because it comes from our intellect and it's the element of water, so now that can convert to good the element of water in the animal soul. We now could transform the element of water within the animal soul, from which the lust for mundane pleasures had been previously derived. Have it been what? Previously derived. You, the element of water of the animalistic soul was, was looking for pleasure, but now I've taken the element of water within the godly soul and used that to transform the element of water within the animalistic soul. Clear? Any questions? No? Any questions? Can I ask a question? Aviel, of course. If I understand right, what you say is uh, take the analim, uh, to the nefesh abahamit. Yeah, the nefesh abahamit uh, to to transfer to the yes. the nefesh aloit. Yes. But if you say that, what is it? Ah. If you say that, in the end, if you are a tzaddik and the nefesh, is it right? Yeah. What did you do? Aviel has a great question. He says, this world is a world of challenges. That's why Hashem has created us. He's created us to fight. So if you transform your godly, your animalistic soul to completely support your, your anim, if you transform your animalistic soul to support your godly soul, your mission in life is over. You've won. You've succeeded. So then you, you pass away. <laughs> what, why would you stay alive then? What is your point of living if you, trans, if, you have, if you have transformed the animalistic soul? This is Aviel's question. I think we have a, an answer here. Our purpose is not only to transform ourselves, but to set an example and educate right. others because we are a community. No Jew exists only as a Jew, the Zohar. The Tanya will go on to discuss the fact um, that we are a part of community and we'll cite an example of the fact that uh, 
there are two kinds of Jews, but it's amazing that when the plague comes, it hits both kinds. Uh, and uh, so the person who says, uh, has a tendency towards apostasy, he's reminded, well, whether I like it or not, Hitler's going to gas me too. So uh, there we are. I may think I'm separate, but I'm not. So David's point is that we're all in it together. That's right. And I respect that point, but I, so I didn't really say the question Aviel had asked. He added more detail. His detail was, he His says... His English accent's terrible. His <laughs> <laughs> accent is terrible. <laughs> no, I'm teasing you. <laughs> Aviel's question was even further. He said, Hashem rewards you for the challenge. No, he doesn't. What, what, let me finish his question. His question was, Hashem rewards you for the challenge. If you have no challenge, then you're a robot. And there's no point for you to be rewarded anymore. He was asking that one of the principles, of 13 principles of faith, is that there's reward and punishment. And if you've already reached this level, so there's no reward and punishment for you. That was more, that was to add another detail to his question. So why do we? So, so... If we put this detail into the equation, the previous idea of being in it together doesn't answer that. In addition to which, it's an essential factor of Judaism, and by the way, it very definitely distinguishes between Christianity and, and Islam and Judaism, is that you do not do it for reward. You do it because God has told you to, right. and that that's what makes you a godly person. That you ha may or may not get a reward for it, that's secondary, if at all. I, I tell you what I believe. Uh, if I understand you right, so people like you said, you know, if you said if you have people like that, it's transfer the, the animistisol, okay, the nefesh abeimit. So people like that, what I what I know in Israel, so all the people like that, they die. They like if you know kapara. It's like they know kapara about all Israel. All the Bnei Israel, that's what I know. The Gemara says that at times tzaddikim pass away, it's like kapara. and that is a kapara, an atonement for all of the Jewish people. Yeah, they also go in uh, swim yeah, yeah. before they die, before they pass away, because, you know, all uh, Bnei Israel. What's kapara? Kapara is atonement. atonement. Now, Aviel, it's a great question. Um, I'd like to leave it because in Tanya we will deal with it more later on. It's a, it's a, it's a good question. Um, Again, why? I, I think ha, it's, ha, good. Ha, it's good you have the nefesh behemoth. I think it's good. Some people the, need the, trials, basically. Yeah, maybe, yeah. We, maybe we need limited ones, you're saying, but uh, you feel that in life people need, need trials. I hear the point. Let's yeah. hold it. We will, we will deal with it. Great, great question. So, now we've, ex we've explained how you could transform the godly soul through using the element of water. So we've discussed now, we're not talking about a hocus-pocus transformation of the animalistic soul. What's clear is we're talking about literally transforming it to support you. And that's what we're going to continue on. We're in the left-hand column, page 40. Thus it is written in Eskayin, Portal 40, Chapter 3, on the authority of the Zohar, that the evil is converted into and becomes completely good. Like the good nature itself. The evil, it's, the evil is converted into complete good through the shedding of the soiled garments, the pleasures of this world, in which it had been clothed. Remember what I mentioned earlier, the animalistic soul itself is good. 
What we need to do is we need to remove the filthy garments surrounding it. What is the filthy garments? The pleasures of this world. If we indulge in pleasure, so then the animalistic soul is going to be on fire. It's just going to go further and further. So you have to limit that pleasure, limit what we're trying to do, and slowly we'll be able to transform the animalistic soul. Does that mean you have to be a complete ascetic? God forbid. God forbid. This would be denial of all of When you come to heaven, one of the questions they're going to ask you is, why did you ignore yeah. the, possi the possibilities you so had? So maybe we're only talking about excess, like uh, pleasure to excess would be the evil. But like you're saying, part of it's good. So maybe it's a question of intensity or degree. In other words, you would, like uh, the basic instincts of, of man. Right, you're and asking... It's like, you, you need a little bit of it, like for, for survival, for, for, right. for, for food. But you don't make them a glutton and eat too much. That becomes, there's the evil, you know, the excess. Right. But the basic amounts yeah. are necessary for survival. Right? Isn't that what you're saying? You're basically? saying that pleasure yeah. for pleasure for purpose is fine, not excess. Is or that what not you're to excess. Right. Well, in Tanya, in the words of Tanya, we've said differently. We've said that pleasure that is here to fulfill the mission of Hashem, your mission in life, if you're having pleasure, but it's focused because you're a human being, you're a Jew that has been brought to fulfill the mission of Hashem, then that's holy pleasure. I mean, like you need a little bit of money to survive. Right. If you're gonna, if you're gonna worship money to right. excess, right. or or if you're gonna lust for, you know, uh, it's like like uh, you know, you need it. You need you need sex. You need love for survival with your wife. You know, but you don't want to go out. You know, be with various women, mm -hmm. or you don't want to uh, feed your stomach too much, or or hoard money. So see, it's a question of of of. Uh, what is necessary for basic survival, right? And that, and the evil then comes with the excess, right? So I'm saying, I'm saying, right. different than that. But you're saying it differently. Tanya is telling us that even if we do things because our body needs it, that's not going to cut it. Is what? That will not, that will not be considered appropriate or holy. Everything we do, the most mundane things, could be considered the holiest. As long as we're doing it with the, with the thought that I'm here, Hashem has created me with a purpose, and through, through my use of this pleasure, I'll be able to have a, 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 more, um, a more filled life to, to continue what I need to do. So again, if you're having pleasure, but that's, you're saying this is part of my method of serving Hashem, that's holy pleasure. For example, if you eat on Shabbos, and you're saying, today is Shabbos and Hashem has commanded me to eat, that's holy pleasure. But if you just eat, even if you're eating for, to survive, that's not called holy. Did that clarify, Menachem? Right, and then if you ate too much... Well, then that's a then whole other category, right, yeah. right, right. The transformation of the animal soul is not a transformation of its essence, but a process of educating, training, and refocusing its will. The will of the animal soul serves as the evil inclination within man only so long as it desires evil, but of itself, inwardly, it is not evil. It desires evil not because it is evil, but because it conceives of it as good. That's fantastic. Exactly what we're saying here, that the animalistic soul itself is not evil, 
the garments surrounding it may be filthy and we need to transform them. Thank you very much. By the way, I'm Aiden Steinsaltz. <laughs> <laughs> so now we've clarified that this is what type of love the godly soul wants to have. We said there's a war of two souls and the godly soul wants to have a love of Hashem <clears throat> so great to transform the animalistic soul. And now we continue. So too, what is the will of the godly soul regarding the midot, the emotions of the godly soul? So too, the godly soul wants that the other midot in the heart, the offshoots of awe and love, whether it's the whether it is the attribute of victory, whether it is the attribute of mercy, of kingship, of bonding, whatever the attribute may be, the godly soul wants that it be dedicated to God alone. Every single one of the emotions should be only to Hashem and the animalistic soul should have no place here. Not only should the animalistic soul have no place in the emotions, we continue, the animalistic soul should have no place and the faculty of speech that is in his mouth and the thought that is in his mind shall be entirely and solely the instruments of the garments of thought and speech of the divine soul alone. The divine soul wants that, it, that Menachem, Yosef, of each one of us should only think about only think about holy things should only speak about holy things and should only do holy things namely meditation on God and his Torah which shall be the theme of his speech throughout the day the entire day the godly soul only wants you to talk about Hashem his mouth ceaselessly studying the Torah and the faculty of action the godly soul wants should be centered in his hands as also in the rest of the 248 organs, shall, fun shall function ex exclusively in the performance of the commandments, which is the third garment of the, divine, of the divine soul. You should ceaselessly study Torah? That's, that's right. He w that the godly soul wants that you should, your mouth should just only say words of Torah, nothing else. It's just interesting, a side point, that we say that the power to do is in the hands, specifically, as, as also in the rest of the 248 organs. That means, when it comes to action, the hands is the primary vessel for that. But getting back to it, what we see clearly is that the godly soul is saying, I want to be in complete control of Basha. I don't want the godly soul says I don't want one limb to be given over to the animalistic soul. Not even the smallest part. And the, the godly soul of each one of us is saying this. Right? I, mean, I think you got rid of your animalistic soul already. So this is past. <laughs> but, uh, it's over there. <laughs> this is the will of the godly soul. But we're talking to the fight. What is the will of the God? What is, what is the will of the animalistic soul? Well, we have to be clear about that. The animalistic soul wants the exact same thing. The animalistic soul wants that you should not for one moment stop desiring and lusting whatever it may be. It wants that for one minute you shouldn't stop thinking about 
some desire. For one minute you shouldn't stop talking about a desire. For one minute you shouldn't stop doing, fulfilling your desire. It says, the animalistic soul says, I do not want even for one minute that you should be calm and relax. You need to be out there and you need to be celebrating the entire day. It's quite a serious fight. But there's one major detail that saves us. In other words, we're going to mention in a moment how the animalistic soul and godly soul, they are two countries fighting and seemingly it's an equal fight. But we're going to see in a moment that it's not an equal fight. And if we would only know the secret that we're going to learn tonight, we're going to see that we are supported. And even the animalistic soul wants us to win. How do we know this? The Zohar shares the following analogy. I'd like to read it for you, together with you, actually. In note 21. What page? Page 40, note 21 on the bottom. Please join with me. Look, please look inside. Again, page 40, note 21. See also end of chapter 29. We'll get to that in a moment. The parable. Listen to the parable the Zohar tells us. Yosef, you, you, you found it? Yeah. A king desired to test the moral strength of his only son. He had a most charming and clever woman brought before him. Explaining to her the purpose of the test, he ordered her to try her best to seduce the crown prince. The king wants to see. I've talked to my son. I've tried in every way to train him. The only way for me to know now is by putting him to the test. For the test to be valid, the harlot had to use all her charm and gill without betraying her mission in the slightest way. This person, this woman, the king is really hiring her, meaning she really needs to try to seduce the crown prince. Any imperfection on her part would mean disobedience and failure of her mission. She would be a failure. The king will not be happy if she doesn't try her hardest. While the harlot uses all her seducive, seductive powers, she inwardly desires that the crown prince should not succumb to them. That means she herself wants that the crown prince should not, fall, should not succumb and should not uh, listen to what she's trying to accomplish. Why? Because she knows that that's what the king wants. The king has hired her. She knows the king will be very upset if... She's a harlot, right? Correct. But nonetheless, the king has told her his mission. And the king has said that I, my, my biggest wish is that the crown prince know better. So, she's so she knows that the king is going to be disappointed if his son, so to say, falls prey to her. But nonetheless, she has been hired and she has to do her job. She has to try and test him. So she's actually tricking or betraying the king. No, no. Say it again. No. If she's she, rooting for the kid. What's that? The, the father wants his son to be tested if he will follow his dad's directions and not have frivolous sex. So the harlot, the prostitute, 
gets her commandment to seduce the prince. And even so, inside of her, she's probably a good woman. And she wants that kid not to succumb to her charms. Right, she knows that if the crown prince succumbs to her, then the king is going to be very disappointed. The king will be very upset at his son. So she doesn't want that the king's, the crown prince should give in to her. But nonetheless, she has to do her best because well, it's a real this test. This to a basic point of Judaism is a bit of good in all people. Oh, one second. That? No, you're jumping ahead. Menachem, you're jumping ahead. You're good. You're good. Let's hold on. Let's hold on. I mean, this parable, let's continue in the notes. <laughs> this parable is intended to explain the ultimate function of the animal soul with its inherent evil and complete license and independence. The animalistic soul is that woman. The animalistic soul is told, test every single person. Each one of us, we have that animalistic soul, and the animalistic soul is that person that is trying to make, convince us to sin. Yet although the forces of evil must be real enough for the purpose of which they have been created, just like that woman needs to try really hard, she has to test this son. So too here, the forces of evil are real enough to test us. Their origin and purpose is rooted in good. And they can, in fact, be so converted. Really, the animalistic soul is good. The animalistic soul wants, the animalistic soul wants the, that you should say no. It wants... It will be disappointed, just like sometimes you have students fighting with the teacher. Really deep down, the students are they're trying to create, there should be no law and order in the classroom. We all know that if there's no law and order, the students are going to be disappointed. Over here, the animalistic soul is, is testing you, but it's going to be disappointed if you give in. Herein lies the underlying principle of the problem of evil. So here we have, yes, here we have a very important <coughs> foundation, and that is that evil itself is not really evil. Evil itself was created from Hashem with a purpose to see what are you going to do. Let's see it inside of Tanya, and then I'd like to wrap it up and share with you why all of a sudden that fight of the two souls it's not anymore a fight of two souls. It's just one soul fight. Let's see that inside. Again, we're on the right-hand column, page 40. However, however, the desire of the animal soul, which is derived from the klipa, is the very opposite. The exact opposite of the godly soul. The godly soul wants that it should be in complete control. But the animal soul wants that it should be in complete control. And it is for the good of man. The animal soul is fighting you for your own good that he may prevail over her and vanquish her. The animal soul is there for you to fight, to, to overpower, as in the parable of the harlot and the holy Zohar. And that's what we saw the parable before in 021 from the Zohar. Well, uh, how did this story end up? It's just an analogy. No, did the crown prince, prince what happened? You were asking yeah. what happened yeah, to the crown prince. It's a parable. I don't you don't know. You don't want the ending. You want the ending. You know what the ending is? Think of yourself. You are the crown prince. Yeah. So that's exactly what the Zohar is saying. It's you. 
It's you you decide. It, You're, you'll be the judge. It's, it's leaving it open-ended yeah. on purpose. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. Have, he seduces the Nafka, but before he does, he takes her to the mikvah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Rebbe, I had to. That was a good one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I couldn't help myself. The, uh, <laughs> so we have over here that the animal soul wants that you should that you should overpower her, and what this tells us is something tremendous. That really, you don't have two souls fighting. Really, you have two souls supporting you. Both of them want that the, the that the godly soul should win, and therefore. If we recognize this and we know this, it has relaxed the pressure of the fight so much. If we could remember that there's not really a fight, it's just a test. But even the godly, the animalistic soul wants that you should win. We have removed so much of the strain on ourselves. So let's summarize chapter 9. In summary, we have discussed how there is a fight of two souls. And this fight is so real. The animalistic soul, the godly soul wants to have complete and full control. And it wants to overturn. It wants to transform the animalistic soul through using its element of water. And we said, similarly, the animalistic soul wants to be in complete control. And overturn and overpower and transform the godly soul. But we concluded with the most incredible detail. And that is... That even the animalistic soul, even evil, wants you to overpower her, to overpower it. I think this is a tremendous lesson for all of us to leave with. Good evening.